What's the crack? I'm Brona. And I'm Ava. We enjoy listening to people tell their stories. And hearing their different perspectives. Which is why we started this podcast. Hello and welcome to our listeners. Today we're talking to Baz Black, who is an Irish actor, writer, entrepreneur and spokesperson for body positivity and discrimination. We're going to be discussing the challenges that come with being heavily tattooed, both in his work and personal life. We're also going to be talking about body modification and the dangers of an unregulated tattoo and body modification industry. And of course, we're going to delve into the wide range of creative projects by Baz Black. Can you give us a brief introduction to yourself? So uh, I'm an actor, primarily I'm a writer, director. I'm also a drummer and I've been a body piercer for over 18 years. So basically jack of all trades. Oh, that's awesome. However, a lot of people know you for your striking image. How did you get to a point where you are tattooed head to toe? I never really planned on being as covered as I am. It was honestly just kind of an organic thing. For me, it was more about the rebellious side of tattoos mixed with growing up with punk rock and playing in bands and stuff like that. And just basically anything I could do to stand out from the crowd or get away from following the cheap mentality of people. I kind of rebelled against conformity, I suppose. I never set out to be, I'm going to be fully heavily tattooed, anything like that. It was just, if I wanted something, I just got it. I didn't seek anyone's approval. Then working in the industry as well, it kind of goes hand in hand. Obviously, we know tattoos are quite stigmatized in a way. You know, there's a lot of stereotypes of tattoos and everything. I remember when I was younger getting tattoos and I'd go up to my granny and she'd be like, what's that? And like, oh, you shouldn't have gotten that done and things like that. So I suppose it's a different scenario than again when you are heavily tattooed. So how do you think people kind of perceive that and what would be some of the like stereotypes that come with it? Yeah, I suppose it is a generational thing as well. You know, um, our parents and our grandparents grew up with the stigmatization of tattoos that it was associated with sailors or jail or criminals and stuff like that. And our generation growing up, it, it has obviously slightly changed. And the mainstream tattoo industry at the moment is absolutely booming. So you're almost cooler if you don't have a tattoo these days, you know. So it's kind of flipped around. It's crazy like it's kind of become socially accepted to get one or two or nice you know like dainty ones and girly ones and all that but to go further than the boundaries of that now is still not accepted just for me being heavily tattooed I mean yeah I do face a lot of discrimination and you know you you understand people staring and the comments and all that kind of stuff and then you have the people that want to take it further and want to try and bring you down so I've been in a lot of altercations over it and I do always say and it's a bit hypocritical but I like I don't do it for anybody else's opinion or seek their approval I do it for myself you know people's like oh he's doing it for attention I absolutely despise the attention it, it brings and then people are like oh well you did it to yourself so you must expect it but then you have to relate it to humans just judge aesthetically you know and we're so brainwashed into thinking anything that's different is scary or you know you shouldn't be doing it so it's hard to quantify what it is being heavily tattooed and it just it changes your life definitely i can really relate to what you're saying what would be like some of the examples of those kind of altercations well there's been so many i mean for example i was refused membership to a gym because of my tattoos and i'm a qualified fitness instructor as well she actually came over and she was like, oh, the manager said, because of your tattoos and a haircut like yours, because I had a mohawk. So that's just one example, not getting into pubs and, and clubs because they think that you're going to cause the trouble when it's the 
guys in the suits doing cocaine off the, the toilet sink, you know, that are, are the ones that are going to cause trouble. And then there's just the comments, you know, and I understand people's curiosity and I've kind of learned to channel it out and block it. And, you know, if I'm walking on the street, I just look ahead. I don't look around. But when I'm with my family and friends, it, it does make them feel awkward. And they're like, Jesus Christ, like, is this what you do? And it's just, you kind of, you just learn to deal with it. And then I become like a robot answering the same questions over and over again. Like my friends and family laugh because I have the same answers for every question that you get asked. So I understand all that and, you know, I'm fine with that. But then when it flips over to people wanting to, like I said, bring you down or it turns into a disrespecting or they want to make comments and all that. On the flip side, I have an absolute wicked temper and I don't put up with that at all like and then they're shocked when you stand up for yourself they feel like it's okay for them to make a comment on you or especially i that's why i avoid pubs and social situations because people come up and start thinking it's okay to touch you and then like i'll touch them back and they'll be like what are you doing i was like well you're just touching me you know oh, i was just touching your tattoos it's like yeah but they're on me so don't touch me you know so it just ends up like people are bad enough in daytime real and then with the inhibitions when they're drunk it just goes out the window so it always ends up in an altercation and it ruins everyone's night. So I just avoid social situations, to be honest with you now, unless I'm playing gigs with my band or something. Oh, it must be very difficult to be put in those type of situations when you're just out trying to socialize and all because of your image, you know. Um, and there's so many different ways that we can modify our bodies these days. For example, ear pointing, where people get like little elf ears. And then there's also tongue splitting and so many more things that we can do uh, do you think that there's perhaps a line that people should draw when it comes to altering their bodies yeah i mean like one of my favorite sayings is nobody can dictate what you can and cannot do to your own body you know it's your body it's it's your choices what i would say is just in my personal opinion is there is a fine line between modification that's going to be for a positive on the aesthetic side of it and then there's the side of mutilation which can come with a lot of mental health issues where somebody's maybe detracting from their life. And that's why like anybody that even owning tattoo shops and I, I did all the body modification and stuff, like we were, were so strict about what we did on people, why we did it, why they were getting it. Can't tell you the amount of people I said no to. And I can't tell you the amount of people that have thanked me years later that we said no to them. And there's so many people and shops that will just grab your money, put anything on and they don't give a shit. They'll just go home and sleep as normal, you know? And so I think it's a responsibility in the industry for people to be vigilant on what people are getting. With the modifications, though, would any of those be like kind of dangerous, like with the elf ears and stuff like that? Like, are there any actual dangers with doing that, like changing that much? In the wrong hands, absolutely. And it's a massive, massive issue at the moment. Basically, it's banned in the UK. A good friend of mine actually went to prison for it, even though... <laughs> The, the people he did it on weren't complaining there was full consent there somebody reported him and the judge said he needed to make an example of him to stop it so in the wrong hands absolutely and i do agree that it should be legislated you're getting into the point of surgery and there's no actual qualification for body modification artists i do feel that there should be some kind of you know rules and regulations there the only problem is now with it being banned it's gone underground which is even more dangerous when you get into especially like tongue splitting you're getting into arteries you're getting into nerve endings you know it is a surgery 
you can get into septicemia. There's so many things. And if you're not up on everything that you need to be medically, anatomy and physiology, cross-contamination, bloodborne pathogens, all the stuff that you need to know, if you're not up on that, then yeah, it, it can be really, really dangerous and very scary. There's only a few trusted ones in the world and their reputations uh, speak for themselves. And did you ever do it? The ear things or the tongue or... Yeah, yeah. So I never did the ear pointing, but like I did tongue splits, subdermal implants, magnetic finger implants, scarification, did loads of that. I was doing that for years and years. I don't do any of that anymore at all. Myself, I think only one other in Ireland were the only ones that were actually doing that kind of stuff. There's no qualifications and all that. So for me, it was just being in the industry so long and having the qualifications that I had, you know, even from fitness instruction and stuff like that. That's what I was learning off. And even for me to say that, like, it's not good enough. I was so, so vigilant on who I do it for and, you know, the way I did it. If I hadn't have been like that, then I easily could have damaged people, you know? So, yeah, no, definitely. It, there should definitely area. be some regulations. Yeah, it's kind of, it just falls into a gray area. But I mean, I've been campaigning for legislation for tattoo and piercing in Ireland for over 10 years now. Sent in petitions to governments into the HSE. I got my studios approved by the HSE, but I mean, it took me six months to get them out and, they didn't know even what they were looking for. You know, I was like, do you want to see this? Do you want to see that? And they were like, no, no, no. do you wear gloves? You know, it's like, it needs to be like in England, each county has a delegated tattoo artist and piercer from the industry advising the HSE. So they work together instead of somebody coming out and just treating it like a hospital when they don't really know what they're looking for. But yeah, I've been campaigning it for a long time and hopefully it'll come in someday. I think we're the last European uh, country to actually have any legislation for it. So scary. I actually didn't know that uh, tattoos and piercings weren't properly like regulated in Ireland. No, no. I, I could sit out in a van outside today and start piercing and nobody can shut me down. You know, it's so scary. Mm. I like I know a certain shop that has carpets on their floors and they've been there for 20 years. Can you imagine what's in those carpets? You know, if the legislations came in, I'd say like nearly half the shops would be shut down because the violations that are in it but the HSE actually put out a proposal finally about two years ago and I was on loads of radio shows talking about it and they rang me and they were like oh you must be delighted and I was like I'll believe it when I see it but I actually I saw the legislation and it was completely absurd it had nothing to do with the tattoo and piercing it was hospital regulations they were talking about machines that cost over 200 grand that's not the tattoo industry you know so they need to find that balance somewhere hopefully they'll do it the right way so speaking of um since you bring up that you were on the radio a few times like you've been on a good few irish talk shows kind of speaking about your own experience with tattoos and like trying to i suppose get people to stop discriminating against them and stuff so I suppose we're just wondering if you can tell us a bit about this. I kind of became the unofficial spokesperson <laughs> for it. I don't know. I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it because I'm passionate about the message behind it. But I don't really like being the face of it. And I don't like the confrontation of it. And a lot of these talk shows, that's what they want for their ratings. And honestly, I've said no more times than I've said yes. Like even that body shockers thing on, on Channel 4, like I must have said no over 100 times. And then like season three, they were ringing me again. They rang me about 20 times. And like, no, it's different. We're going for a positive angle. It's all positive. <laughs> we're changing our system. And then it came out and it was the exact same, you know. So they, they lie to try and get you there. And I hate anything that tries to make it out. Like people who are getting it done are crazy or, you know, vague. So anything I do it has to come from positive, not from a negative standpoint. The most well-known one that I did was Katie Hopkins one on the Nolan show. And uh, 
I can't, well, I can't watch myself back anyway, but that that's brought the most amount of hate into my life. Like I had three death threats recently from that video. Like that's how bad it is. I mean, the message behind it is good. And I try and be a voice for the people. I know that sounds really cringy, but I try and get the point across. And then if I can break down some barriers, but I hate feeling like I have to justify it. Like I said, I have a fucking bad temper. And with Katie Hopkins, everyone's like, how did you not lose your head? That's what they want you to do. You know, mm, that was yeah. the first thing I could have done. And she was full of shit. Before we went out, she was hugging me. She was, I love your tattoos. And just uh, before we went out, she said, don't mind me. I get paid to be a bitch. That's the last thing oh, she said before God. we went out. And then afterwards, big hugs like chatting to her afterwards she was all smiles you know so that, it's all an act you know and she was like oh you bastard you call me out in the earrings that was brilliant you know and <laughs> like, so yeah it's it's a it's a love hate definitely with that kind of stuff yeah and like have you ever felt kind of like the host of the show has been very one-sided or do you think they've been interested to hear both sides of the debate yeah, you can feel that it's leaning towards, you know, one side. <laughs> I did a, a TV show there uh, last year or the year before last. One of the uh, the hosts, the first thing she said when she saw me was like, oh my God, are tattoos in the face not illegal? So you just, you know which side, you know, <laughs> they're yeah. leaning on. And again, you feel like you have to kind of justify yourself. And that goes for just in life. For example, you walk into Brown Thomas and the security guard starts following you around. Yeah. And then you have to feel like you have to justify yourself to being there or you feel like you have to get past that conversation that they realize that you're not going to rob them. I suppose it comes it comes with the territory. And the reason why I talk about it, it's just that if I can pass that knowledge on to somebody that was maybe thinking about doing it, that they realize that it makes your life that bit harder, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, like we've both listened to your interviews and we think you're a great spokesperson. Like you're yeah. very <laughs> articulate in all honesty. And like, I think it's good to, you know, I've, I've gotten tattoos from a few different places, like in Ireland, and none of the people would be as heavily tattooed as you. So it's good to have that person that's being the spokesperson heavily tattooed, you know what I mean? Rather than it being someone who has a bunch that are like hidden or something. Yeah, it's it's like a, a skinny chef. Never trust a skinny <laughs> chef. <you know? laughs> yeah. If somebody's trying to lecture you and they haven't been through and they're not in the industry, then, you know, yeah, usually their opinions are are, are moot point. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. <laughs> and um, speaking of perception, you'd have a bit of an online presence as well, but a lot of those people following you wouldn't know you on a personal level or probably never met you either. So how do you find you get perceived online? I mean, social media can make anything look, you know, like amazing or whatever. So, yeah, I'm really quiet and shy, especially in like social situations, unless I'm around my friends and stuff like that. Online, I come across as looking quite cocky and confident and, you know, and that's not me at all. But that's just a protective front that I put up. Again, I have such a love hate with social media because for a business, it's a necessity. And I've kind of built up the name as sort of a brand, you know, so... I play my piercing off my bands to my acting to my production work. It all goes full circle. I really hate it. I mean, I, I would delete everything tomorrow and just keep Instagram if I could. I get the least amount of hate on Instagram, but everything else, um, you, you do get a lot of hate. So it's hard to say what the perception is, but just from the comments or a lot of people who meet me or, or customers who are there, I don't know how many times people are like, Jesus, I thought you were going to be such an asshole. <laughs> it's like, I just look like that face. I just look like an asshole. That's it. So... 
Oh my gosh, that's so not nice. But like, what would the comments generally be? Like, would it be specifically on your tattoos or would it be on your hair or like your cockiness? Like what's kind of the most? I suppose, yes, the tattoos. This is the thing though. Like I don't read comments anymore at all, which is kind of sad because I don't get to see any of the positive ones. My acting agent was like kept at me to join TikTok and I was like, that's my worst nightmare. I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. So I, I did eventually cave in. I just put up a few videos and put up the Katie Hopkins one, but I didn't know how to, because it was nude, I didn't know how to like not see the comments, you know? Oh, and yeah, they were yeah. all coming in and it was the first time in a long time that I'd read those comments. And then I just completely ignored them. And then they were following me to like the YouTube video and my Instagram, like to, they actually made the time to go follow me to give me, because I wasn't giving them the attention on the TikTok video. I know you got a lot of like bad reviews, like bad fake reviews on your Pearson page. Like, yeah. do, you think, do you think that's just from haters or something? Yeah, yeah. Like I have a good idea who did it and just basically a bitter shop. Like we never had a one star review on the shop page and we spent years mm-hmm. and years getting it up to five stars. And I remember I was having dinner and I saw the notification come up like the one star. I was like, one star review, like this never happened. And then all of a sudden there was 1500 of them in a row. And I was like, bing, 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 bing. And then when I went in to check it and then another thousand and then another thousand. So you can go on like Fiverr and you can pay for one star reviews. Okay. They're they're all fake accounts. You know, there's no writing around. It's just those fake reviews and there's no way of getting rid of them. It was such, it was so horrible, such a, such a horrible thing to do, you know? And we're even still like, we, we got back up to 3.8. We're clawing our way back up since that, you know, because there was so, so many of them. Yeah, that's the kind of hate. Um, and then like the death threats and, you know, your family should be ashamed of you. And like, you know, say your family wished you were never born and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, um, you get quite a lot of it. So how do you actually deal with this online hate that you get? And do you have any advice for people dealing with similar situations? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you put yourself out there and again, it's like the mentality of people is so backwards. It's like, well, you have to expect it. Why do you have to expect it? Like, what is wrong with the human race? Like, I mean, we all have things that we, we don't like, we don't, you know, agree on. But yeah, I mean, I stopped reading comments probably about four or five years ago because I used to get angry and I used to reply to them. And then you realize that that's what they want. And if you're dealing with that kind of thing, just, and it's a delete and block policy, that's it. You know, if they want to message you or any of that kind of stuff, just delete and block and move on with it. If you're even letting it affect you, then you're letting them win. It's like bullying, you know, it's a bullying mentality and they want to take some of your energy in a negative point and just do not give it to them. Just don't give them the satisfaction. Delete and block and that's it. Move on with your life. And don't even think about it because even if you delete and block and then you're like thinking about that comment that they said, and I've fallen victim to them so much and it starts playing with your head, you're letting them into your lives and you don't need strangers' opinions in your lives on a negative point. So that that's the best I, I can say and that's what I do. You know, definitely. I mean, it's one thing commenting on like tattoos and stuff, but when you're commenting on personal things like that your family like hate you or like stuff like that like that's just pure horrible I mean I kind of have not as much experience as you but I would have a bit myself because I write like mental health columns and I'd get some hate comments as well and you know it really it really does hurt because I'm putting myself out there and sharing my own like personal story and obviously mental health is such a sensitive topic yeah 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 it's really tough you know and just again it's just 
uh, like this sounds really old because I am getting old now but like her, you know my, my niece is 11 now and I really 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 worry for her world growing up like I'm a grown adult and it still affects me what does it do to a kid you know like what is their generation going to be like and the suicide rate and it's getting younger and the mental health issues no definitely and it, it but that's what I mean it even gets more ironic because it's like people are saying mental health is so important and then when someone shares their story on it like I literally had like one article that was about my experience with suicide do you know yeah. what I mean and people commented mean things on it like yeah do you know what yeah. I mean it's just it's so backwards isn't it that, yeah it's completely backwards <laughs> and it you know and it's just ironic that they're the ones pushing for the attention from trying to bring you down, you know? This is not a professional thing, but I can't tell you the amount of people that when I used to reply to comments was, I would pin drop my location to my shop. Okay. And I would say, come on in and let's have a chat. It's funny how not one of them showed oh up, you know? Gosh. And a lot of them were, were close. A lot of them were in surrounding areas. They could have easily dropped in. And not <laughs> one of them, you know, it's not a macho thing, but I will not, absolutely will not put up with it. But online, it's given these idiots a voice. You know, they say about common sense, it ain't that common, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, in fairness, most of them are usually spelled wrong anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And there's, there's so much that you could write back. You'd be like, oh, I'd love to write back. But you can't, you can't stoop to their level or you're giving them that negative energy. So now diverting from online hate into kind of the more exciting things you're doing, how did you get into acting and writing? When I was a kid, uh, I did a few like theater summer camps and stuff like that. But like I grew up in Drada, and if people knew that you were doing theater summer camps, <laughs> you get your head kicked in. It was one of those towns. So I never told anyone that I did it, but I loved it so much. Then it was with the music and playing with bands and stuff like that. For the acting thing, it was like getting, and I do mean this, roped into like the alternative modeling side of things because like I said cripplingly shy it wasn't something that I pursued and I just kept getting asked because of the tattoos and stuff so I kind of got into doing that and it started going pretty well started getting a few big things and then I was doing like music videos and a few promotional stuff and then I kind of just realized that you know it was something that I wanted to pursue and I started pushing more towards the the acting side of it and I mean so that's been like it's been about a 15 year path, but I'd say only in the last like five or six years that I've really kind of taken it seriously and pushed it to the next level. Even though I was, I was on stuff and that, I went back training then in Bow Street Academy in Dublin, and then I was training in London, and then I was out in LA training and doing some filming as well. So it's definitely a, a long kind of a career. Yeah, I suppose for an outsider, it's pretty hard to imagine everything that goes into a job like that. And there's actually a lot of projects in your writing and acting career that you've been involved in. Can you tell us more about them? I suppose the first proper biggest TV show I was in was Into the Badlands. So that was a massive learning experience and it was great to get something like that. It kind of opened up the doors a little bit to, you know, getting better, bigger jobs and, you know, getting agents and stuff like that but it wasn't the key to everything either you know you get on a big show and you think oh this is it <laughs> you know it's gonna take off and then there's radio silence for a while and really the acting game is just about building up connections and if you're not getting the work that you want you have to go create your own work so the writing side of things I wrote a book a few years ago it was one of those bucket list things called Ink Princess I never thought I'd write a book put that out there in acting college, we were encouraged to, to write your own scenes and stuff like that. So I wrote a few 
for myself and then a lot of the people in the class then were asking me to write them scenes for their scenes and stuff like that it's not something that I ever thought I would do you know writing these kind of things and then again it was like encouraged in acting college that if you're not getting the parts that you want and especially with me being stereotyped with the tattoo side of things it's to go make your own stuff and that's where my first short film reflection came from then was to portray myself in a more vulnerable role that people aren't used to to seeing so yeah, that, that's on my own side of things and the writing side of things. And then like, you know, I've had small parts in like Dublin Murders and the new TV show that I was just filming on is called Kin with Aidan Gillen and Kieran Hines. That's going to be coming out in September. And then I was, I was in a big gangster film called Dredges. That's coming out soon. And again, with the acting things, there's stuff that you've done a couple of years ago and they haven't even come out yet. So just waiting for all that to kind of start happening. And then... Just been plugging away with our production company and um, it's called Sherlock Productions. So we've been making our own content for that as well. So the, the first short film reflection that did really well. It won a few awards in the film festival circuit. And then we went on and did our second one, Marrow, which is a, like an Irish mythology about mermaids. So completely different than anything we've done before. But yeah, that's basically it. Just making our own stuff. Brilliant. And do you find it hard to um, get like acting jobs because of the tattoos? Like, does it limit you to certain roles like the villain or the gangster or do you know that kind of way yeah absolutely yeah I'm always a drug dealer you know but uh, <laughs> but like I mean those roles are really fun to play and just getting any acting jobs you know it's absolutely fine I don't mind being stereotyped you know that's fine but there is more to the range you know and it's again it's all about like knocking down those stereotypes and I've been plugging away at it for years and years. The short film Reflection, it, it did work, you know, because in the film, it's basically, it's about male suicide in Ireland. A little girl in the woods basically saves me. And that juxtaposition between the little girl and the heavily tattooed guy and me being so vulnerable with her and vice versa. So many casting directors and people who saw it were like, we never would have seen you in that role and that light, you know, and that was the whole point, try and break down those barriers. But yeah, I do find it really, really hard I find that the hardest thing actually is um, getting past the headshot, the picture. So when you get put forward for whatever role it is, they see the picture and they're like, oh, he looks cool, but he's too heavily tattooed. Or, you know, they just, they form a quick opinion. And I always find if I can get into the room for an audition or if I can meet the cast and directors, they have a different perspective on it, you know. But yeah, it is really hard. And it's like my image has been used in so many things. It was on like Black Mirror and Doctor Who and Blue Bloods and blind spot and all these kind of things and it's just getting the right people to see that if they're using the image in these shows that you know you can be in these shows as well and there's some people who can who can see the potential in it and then there's others that are just completely they can't see it at all and it kind of frustrates me a little bit though because uh, when I covered all my tattoos and, and makeup video that I did like that went viral over a hundred million times. You know, you go for a commercial casting or, or something and they, they're like, no, that, that'll never work. And it's like, they can't, <laughs> they can't see the potential in the, you know, the image crossing over. It's a, it's a hard battle to try and get them to see it, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And if someone ever like got your headshot and was like, oh, he'd be perfect for the role. We just need to cover the tattoos on his face. Like, would you do it? Or would you be like, no, I'm not doing that. I would do it if it required it for the role, you know. I had conversations with my agents as well of like putting up a headshot with my tattoos covered. I said no to that because I was like, 
I'm not going to pretend to be somebody that I'm not, unless it's for acting, obviously, which is the job. But you know what I mean? I'm not going to sell it as, oh, you know, I don't have tattoos. And I understand it's to give them an option, you know, with it. But for me, like, that'd be a personal thing of if they want them covered for the role, yes, you can do it. And then, like, you know, so many people and my friends and all that is like, oh, you'd never do a rom-com. And, and I'm like, why not? Why, why not? Yeah, why you know not? I mean? yeah. like, everyone's like, and I did, I actually did one. But like, it's, <laughs> and then, you know, there's castings and it's like, oh, we're looking for normal people. Like, what, what's a normal person? <laughs> or no, we're looking for real people. It's like, I am a real person, you know? But yeah, it is, it is difficult. And it's something that I think trying to break down barriers. And there is a few, you know, casting directors that do see the potential in it. I mean, it's good because I obviously I do stand out from the pack when loads of people are going for the same role and they want something different or, you know, it gives them a different option. But I've been sent in for auditions like from, you know, my agents over the years and in the description, it'd be, he may have a tattoo and then I show up. (laughs) So yeah, there's a fine line, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. I'd love to see you in like a dad role or something. (laughs) Like, again, this is just a society thing. And I always think existentially, but like, isn't that mad that like, I would never, ever be put forward for a dad role for a commercial, for like a film. I'm quite capable of being a dad. Yeah, I feel like you'd be quite good at it. They they want whatever the standard version of a dad is, you know. Yeah, that's it. But um, the likes of Netflix and, you know, Amazon and there's so much diverse content coming out now which is is great you know it's not just pigeonhole to either a movie or you know television so there is a lot more opportunities for people who look different and you know obviously it's pushed towards equality as well which is great so I think we're starting to see a little bit of a shift there as well. You also create a lot of diverse content I mean your newest production is a comedy called Just Messin' so how did you come around to doing that? First of all, comedy is the hardest thing to do. Like it's so subjective and putting yourself out there for any kind of comedy. It's so, so hard. And basically that was born out of the lockdown and trying to get my actor friends working. I had these things written and they were just sitting there and then I wasn't going to do anything with them. And then I was like, I'll give it a go, you know, but it was mainly just to get, you know, myself working, my acting friends working. Uh, it was good for the production company or whatever. So yeah, episode one came out, Serial Daters. And then we just did episode two, The Hero. Even the uh, Serial Daters one, we shot it, we did it, it was all done. And then there'd be a few close people in my circle that I would send it to, you know, just for opinions and editing and all that kind of stuff. And one of my friends, he was like, I don't like it. I don't I don't think it's good I don't think it's funny and I was just like right I'm not putting it out then I think two weeks I was like nah I'm not putting it out because I was already so nervous about putting out comedy you know because it's such a hard thing to do but then I did I got over myself and I did put it out and I got great feedback and we're shooting episode three now in a couple of weeks and we're going to do six episodes and then it'll be kind of like a pitch then to uh, the tv companies then once we have six of them. Is there anything else you're currently working on? I Spent the lockdown as an excuse to work on my feature film, Dublin Crust, which is loosely based on a notorious punk band that I was in for seven years. So it's like the, well, the tagline that I, I have for it is basically Dublin Crust. It's like train spotting meets the commitments and has an illegitimate love child with the full Monty. That's the, uh, the synopsis of it, you know, so it's kind of like a black comedy all based around this punk band. And they were, you know, big in the 90s. And then it all fell apart and it's revisiting them 10 years later to see where their lives 
are basically and basically their lives are fucked and it's a comedy drama with a heart behind it so we've been just in talks with production companies and loads of different things we have Joe Rooney um, who is Father Damo and Father Ted he's in it and hopefully we'll get shooting uh, by the end of the year brilliant so that's pretty much all that we wanted to talk to you about Baz but is there anything else that you would like to say? From the positivity side I suppose um I mean, I was always told that I would never amount to anything, you know, and uh, it's just the whole thing of don't let anybody dictate your life, you know, do whatever makes you happy. Don't worry about people's opinions. They'll sort themselves out. If it makes you happy and it's not hurting anybody else, then just do it. Don't listen to the haters. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it because so many people love to bring you down to their level because they're afraid to put themselves out there and do it don't live with any regrets life is way too short we're lucky enough to just be on the planet and there's so much toxic hate in the planet so it's just trying to find that positivity whatever makes you happy and it doesn't really matter what other people think you know so that's that's my whole you know ethos and if 18 year old me could hear me now he'd be like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> you know but it's, it's just uh you just need to find your place in the world and it, it, life is tough enough without letting these idiots opinions affect your life you know so just do it and look after yourself basically brilliant thanks Baz, for coming on we really enjoyed chatting with you no yeah, problem. thank you thanks for thank you all right bye-bye and thank you to our listeners we hope you guys tune in next time bye